and welcome to this Linklaters podcast on payments regulation. I'm joined on the line by three of our payments regulation experts, Harry Edis, Gene Price and Paul Harris. The FCA has told e-money institutions to explain to their customers how their money is protected. Harry, what has the FCA said? Well, this comes from a letter which the FCA has sent to the chief executives of e-money firms in May. The FCA is worried that many firms are not being clear enough to customers about the differences between e-money services and traditional banking services, and particularly when it comes to the protection of their money. The main difference that the FCA has in mind is how customers' money is protected and whether it is covered by the FSCS protection. So the letter tells firms to write to their customers by the end of June to remind them that when they are using e-money services, their money is not protected by the financial services compensation scheme, but instead by safeguarding. The letter also tells firms to review their financial promotions to make sure they're not misleading. And finally, the FCA tells the chief executives to raise these issues with their boards and get the board to sign off on the action they're going to take in response to the letter. Thanks, Harry. And we'll come back to talk about financial promotions more generally later on. But, but first, should we cover safeguarding? Paul? Yes, so we've talked a lot in previous podcasts about the FCA's expectations on payments firms when it comes to safeguarding and how that has developed over time. Um, We know the FCA is obviously really focusing on how firms are complying with the rules and the guidance and therefore the FCA's expectations in this area. However, I do think it's worth just taking a step back and reminding ourselves about what e-money is and how it's different from banking services. So, I suppose to give a a basic example, when I go to a bank and I deposit money, I'm giving the bank my cash, my money. And at the most basic level, the bank then can use that money to fund the the loans that it makes or to fund its own business, its own business costs. It earns money from the loans that it makes, for example, through interest payments. And then it returns my money to me when I need it, which should which it should be able to do as long as not everyone comes asking for their deposits at the same time. And we have seen runs on banks in the past, for example, in the UK most recently with Northern Rock. Um, But even if there is a run on a bank and it does happen that a bank doesn't have enough money to go around, there is an additional safety net for depositors in the form of the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, which protects deposits up to £85,000 per individual. Thanks, Paul. So that's banking. How does e-money compare? Well, from the outside, e-money can actually look pretty similar, if not the same, but legally, it is a very different model. So if I am an e-money user, when I upload cash to my e-money card or digital wallet, I'm actually sending money to the e-money firm, which then issues me with electronic money for me to spend. That e-money issuer has to hold on to that money that I've sent to them and they can't use it to fund other parts of their business, and they can't use it to fund loans, for example. And I suppose there are two main kind of consequences to this. Firstly, the e-money institution needs to find other ways to make money, for example, through fees or other types of service. And secondly, because they have to hold on to that money and they need to look after it and make sure that they have enough to return to me at that time that I want it back. Um, And this is where safeguarding really kind of kicks in. So that's what happens behind the scenes. But I suppose the problem here is that from the customer's point of view, those two models look quite similar. 
Yeah, that's right. And that's, of course, what the FCA is worried about. Um, in fact, arguably, the safeguarding model is better for the customer from a credit risk perspective. The money should always be there. It should be always safeguarded in an account which makes it clear for their benefit. So if the e-money um, firm goes bust, the customer's money should be sitting there in account ready for them to collect. Um, and as Paul's explained, that isn't true for bank insolvencies. The game changer is then that the FSCS will pick up the tab if a bank fails, what well, up to the tune of 85,000. If an e-money fails, the insolvency firms come in, they work out who's owned what, the process takes time, it costs money, and there's a risk that customers might not get all of their money back. Um, and that is a risk if they haven't safeguarded properly, as we saw, you know, in Premier FX, for example. That's the risk that the FCA wants firms to spell out to their customers. And I suppose the big question then is, is this going to work? Because speaking personally, I get lots of emails from, from companies with promotions and changes to terms and conditions and so on. I have to admit, I, I probably don't engage with all of them. Well, Simon, you're not alone on that. And I think I probably put myself in the same bucket. So it'll be fascinating to see how this all pans out. I think on the one hand, it's a great opportunity to e-money firms to engage with their customers on this subject to explain what happens to their money behind the scenes and to differentiate themselves uh, with banks. Um, but I imagine if the FCA were to do a straw poll of e-money customers later this year and quiz them about how their money is protected, the ideal scenario is that after a successful communication campaign across the sector, most of those customers would be able to acknowledge the insolvency risk Jean has just described and to differentiate that from what banks offer. On the other hand, I can also imagine a lot of ink being spilt on this without great effect. You can write customer communications which are understandable, but that doesn't mean that the customers are going to read them, let alone understand them. And that really is the problem. And I'm, I think back to our previous episode when Richard Hay was talking about new forms of payments uh, like e-money and comparing them to traditional banking. And he raised the question of whether rules might be changed to make alternative payment providers look more like banks or whether the two regimes are going to be kept quite distinct and actually firms will then just have to disclose the relevant risks so that customers can make an informed assessment. And perhaps it seems like the FCA is going for the latter option, the disclose the risks option. Yeah, that's right at the moment um, anyway. I mean, the capital and, and everything else you have to have behind you as a bank is such a significant uplift, whereas e-money, because the funds are meant to be protected in a separate account, is significantly lighter regulation. Um, maybe it's going to turn into something e-money firms going to have to do on a regular basis. You know, you might find it with statements or an annual letter going out reminding you that you're not protected, protected by the FSCS. Um, it doesn't mean, of course, that there won't be fundamental changes down the line, because um, in a different context, the FCA has said that risk warnings for investments in financial products are often just perceived as white noise by customers. And I know, you know, having spent years writing deathless prose of consumer contracts, people only read them when there's a problem. Um, so it doesn't bode well for how impactful this round of communications is going to be until we see maybe, you know, another e-money issue go down. What strikes me though, is that this is the third year on the trot that the FCA have told e-money firms to be clearer in their promotions. 
Um, you know, we saw with PPI, the FCA got more, or FSA before it got more and more works up as it went along when it felt the firms weren't paying attention, listening or responding. So um, we're on, I say, third year now. So I'm wondering whether um, they're in the last chance saloon on this. And there are a lot of financial promotions going around at the moment. Every advert I see seems to be promoting a uh, payments product or buy now, late, buy now, pay later provider or crypto business or some kind of payments business. Yeah, that's interesting um, what you just said there, Simon. And I just wanted to pick up on um, you mentioning crypto. Um, because actually, interestingly, the Advertising Standards Agency has actually recently banned ads for a particular cryptocurrency exchange service. Um, this is because they didn't actually make it clear that the value of the investments that customers would make in the Bitcoin could go down as well as up. Um, and the ads also didn't specify that Bitcoin was unregulated. Um, and therefore, it basically looked like that it made it too easy to, to invest in Bitcoin. Um, I think we, we know as well that actually, anecdotally, there have also been reports of complaints being made to the uh, Advertising Standards Agency about other payment service providers. Um, and it's probably a reminder that the FCA isn't really the only regulator in town on this when it comes to financial promotions. There are different actors who can potentially curb what firms are saying and promoting to, to customers. That's right, Paul. But um, I do think we're going to hear a lot more on from the FCA on promotions. And, um, you know, by way of example, as we all know, the FCA is consulting on this new duty of care for retail customers. Not a lot of detail at this stage. Um, the second consultation is going to follow later this year. But it's clear that customer communications are going to be at the heart of their plans. Um, you know, their proposal is to beef up principles six which requires firms and that includes payment firms to treat customers fairly so while the wording is still up in the air it does look to me as though in future firms will be told to act in the best interests of retail clients and that's quite a high bar um, it's going to mark an important shift in how firms treat retail customers they're going to have to put themselves in the customer's shoes more and you have to think about and test whether the communications give the right information. This is all a big part of the new duty of care. As I say, there's more to come on this, but it looks as though it could be um, a big deal for those in retail payments. Thanks, Jean. And I'm sure we'll return to the, uh, that duty of care in future episodes. Harry, maybe a final word from you on the Dear CEO letter? Yeah, I'm sure, Simon. Um, I think it's an interesting point that Jean raises there on the, on the FCA consumer uh, duty of care because that is going to be applied across the industry and that really is where I sort of see this letter as part of a a wider trend. Um, the expectations on e-money and payments firms are looking more and more like the standards for FUSMA authorised entities like investment firms and banks. It's been less than two years since the FCA principles have applied to e-money firms. The same is true for the rules on communications and I wouldn't be surprised if the FCA continues to push for tighter rules and also flexes its enforcement powers to clamp down on firms which still fail to comply. So ever-increasing burden, really, um, on e-money firms going forward. Thank you very much. And you can get in touch with us by tweeting at Linklaters Tech or emailing fintech.podcast at linklaters.com. Until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.